Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello guys and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. I'm Coach Chloe and I'm joined by Coach Harriet today. Harriet, how's it going? Hey, hey, I'm doing really well, thank you. Excited to be on my first official podcast today. So yeah, super excited to get started and have a discussion with you. This is so exciting, the girls together, I love it. Today we're going to talk a little bit, it might end up being a bit of a rant or a soapbox, but today we want to talk a little bit about perhaps some of the information we might see on TikTok, social media, various kind of things that various people put out on, on, on these platforms about nutrition and where can we find the best information? What is the information we should be a little bit wary of? Perhaps what are some of the more controversial things we might have heard? Um, and just kind of a little bit of a discussion around these today. I think this is the kind of topic we can probably both talk about for quite a while. So the main thing, okay, so let's talk a little bit about what issues there might be with the way that we see nutrition information on social media. So obviously with social media, TikTok, things like this, there's no regulation on what information goes out. People can just create things, which is fantastic to be able to create all this wonderful stuff that we can. But often we get a lot of information that perhaps might not really actually be very useful for a lot of us if we're trying to keep to, you know, science based, evidence based information. So, Harriet, uh, I know this is a topic that you're super interested in as well. What do you think is, you know, some of the issues that we have with nutrition information going out on social media and TikTok and stuff? Yeah, so I think you've already like covered some really good points here. Like the fact that there's not really any kind of current regulations in terms of the nutritional information that goes out on social media. It's not just on social media, though. Like you think about some of the documentaries you see on TV as well. Like they're very some of the information they can provide can be very controversial. And it comes from completely different people, not necessarily within the nutrition industry. So in regards to kind of the regulation, there's so many different people providing different opinions. And at the end of the day, nutrition isn't an opinion, it's a science. And it's a really powerful science that can have quite a great impact on us overall in terms of our health and our well being. So we can't rely on people's anecdotal stories or, you know, things they might have heard from someone else or their own opinions to actually dictate what we can do with our diet. Because 
as we all know, we're very individual. Uh, therefore, our diet needs to be very individual and unique as well. So, you know, getting that information from people who aren't necessarily, let's say, informed or educated in that area, or it's not exactly their expertise, can actually cause our health or can be causing a lot more damage to our health than, than good when we think about long-term well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something you commented on there as well is it is is so individual and food is personal food is emotional we all have we're all going to see something on social media or tiktok or wherever we see it perhaps we see like you said a documentary on netflix and we might kind of respond in a different way to someone else because food is so individual and it does have an emotional element to it uh, to a point as well there is obviously freedom of speech which is a wonderful thing but it means that people can just talk about whatever they want on these platforms as well and in that kind of on that note as well if someone puts something out that they think is useful for them someone else can see it and and see it as gospel so for example i think one of the biggest things there is is the the what I eat in a day videos you know for example I might put something out what I eat in a day considering I'm on a competition prep and you know some impressionable young girl who thinks that that amount of calories is enough to go and train three hours a day might see that and perhaps take it the wrong way so I I think the what I eat in a day videos uh, can be you know there are pros and cons to these aren't they Uh, uh, do you have any kind of opinion on these on these yeah I I agree with you I think They became very, very popular at one point and it was literally plastered all over my Instagram, all over TikTok. And yeah, I guess from someone who who has had like disordered eating behaviors before, it can be extremely triggering for a lot of individuals because as you said, like someone's showing you what they're eating. And if you uh, are, if they're an influencer, for example, or if you kind of aspire to be like them, then you're instantly going to think, well, actually, that's what I need to be consuming. But in reality, you may have completely different and you will have completely different nutritional needs um, compared to that individual. So it can be really, really dangerous when we're not actually given any context behind the reason they're consuming that. And I think this is where we can create kind of uh, videos or create this space to be a bit more, um, let's say, educational. So instead of saying, you know, what I eat in a day, think about saying, like, why I eat this in a day. So actually backing up Mm, the reasons as to why you're consuming this food. So, you know, if you've got um, peanut butter and toast and banana, why are you consuming that as a pre-workout snack? Well, because it's a great source of carbohydrates. We've got some protein, a little bit of fat as well. So actually educating people, which is what nutrition is about, is making it simple and educating individuals instead of just throwing some food on the screen and, and expecting people to just give it a like and a comment. Because I think that is the issue at, at this point in time, is that a lot of people are using these kind of the health and well-being industry as a, a platform to promote themselves, but not necessarily actually promote the education around nutrition and well-being itself. And I think that's a very like controversial thing that goes on at the moment and really needs to kind of be cracked down on in terms of like depicting that fact from fiction and actually setting some regulations and boundaries behind who can deliver and who can put that type of information out on social media. Yeah, it's so true. I think I think it's it's interesting when you see these things when people are just trying to kind of promote themselves and they just put put a menu of food they're like oh well I eat this and this and this in a day and it's it's a little bit of that shiny new object syndrome as well like I think you know people that are perhaps like maybe they are struggling with the nutrition with their diet and they they see someone eating 
you know, something they might see as off limits on their nutrition plan. And they see someone eating, you know, people try and do these videos where they're like, well, I fit in three types of Ben and Jerry's into my macros and stuff like that. And people go, oh, well, maybe that's what I should be doing. And people flip from thing to thing. And it might not be the most, you know, psychologically healthy and also, you know, nutrition wise healthy thing they can do. There's, it is that kind of thing where we, we look at it and we think, is that what I should be doing? Is that what I should be eating? Why can't I do that? Why, you know, I think the same goes with supplements as well. And, you know, we see people putting their food on, on social media, TikTok and various things, but it's, it's a massive thing for various supplements as well. People selling products, some products which may be useful for us so for example like I saw something on creatine the other day and I think that's a great thing to promote especially for female health and you know if we want to get stronger but supplements is an interesting one we see lots of kind of like gut cleanses and detox supplements which you know aren't really going to do anything for anyone is there anything that you've seen perhaps supplement wise or anything in an influencers sold that you've noticed yeah, well, I think the supplement industry has got a lot to say for itself anyway. I mean, the, the amount of supplements that are kind of bought within the UK, I believe it's around like 50% of, of Britons actually supplement with something, whether it be like vitamins and minerals, or as we said, like performance enhancing stuff. So it's a massive industry and it's also a massive money-making industry. And that's why a lot of influencers like to get involved within this side of the business. And I think the saddest thing here is that a lot of the influencers from what I've seen and from what I've experienced don't actually understand the products they're selling. And again, this really, really saddens me because, you know, they're promoting these products and saying, oh, hey, you know, buy these BCAAs because they taste great. And I'm like, oh, okay, so they taste great, but what's actually the benefit of the BCAAs? And again, it's that (laughs) educational point of view. It's just completely lacked and completely like neglected. And you've got, unfortunately, like, you know, young, young individuals who are investing their like, their money, like into these products, spending 30, 40, 50 quid on BCAAs, because they taste nice. And you just Mm. think, you know, what are these influencers trying to to get out of this? Like, I mean, from my perspective, unfortunately, as I said, it's kind of like a money-making industry. But yeah, it also promotes this supplement over food first approach, which is something that we really want to avoid. I mean, at all costs, we want to be making sure that we get a healthy, balanced, varied diet from food first. And supplements, it's in the name, are supplementary and should only be added If, for example, you have any deficiencies or a medical condition that requires you to supplement with a certain micronutrient or something along those lines. So, again, I think it's really sad and you particularly see it within the sporting industry because there's so many sports supplements. But actually, there's not a lot of them that have the scientific evidence to back up to say that actually they are really beneficial for performance. Some of them will have like a small, small effect, but, you know, actually the vast majority of them don't have a great impact on the sports performance. But yeah, I just, as we said, it's just one of those, those places where it's, it's really challenging to, again, find those, set those boundaries because you've got these people who are influencers that people look up to and they think, oh, well, if they're taking it, then I should be. Um, and it's actually called something, we talk about this, it's called meaning, meaning transfer. So it's when we look at an individual and 
we attribute, say, some time with certain characteristics. So if they're uh, attractive, they're thin, and they've got those, they meet those beauty standards, we kind of attribute those characteristics with the products they're taking. So we think, oh, okay, so they're skinny, they're, they're slim. If I take that particular product, I will also look like them. And it's a really mm-hmm. big marketing strategy that marketers use to bring on um, individuals to buy their products. That's so interesting. And it's so it's so true, isn't it? You know, with that, like with the, you know, beautiful people selling supplements, they don't know nothing about, they don't know nothing about, it was excellent grammar for me. But it's, and it's, it kind of goes in with that, like that quick fix thing. It's like, oh, get this thing because this is going to solve all your problems. You know, if you take if you take this great tasting BCA, um, and I think we're we're drawn to that, aren't we? Because we want it is that instant dopamine hit of a seeing something that we think is gonna is gonna make us feel better. When probably we just, you know, I think a, co- a very common theme is perhaps like not eating enough of the of the right things, not kind of nourishing our body, and then we we think oh what's missing and then we see that kind of quick fix supplement on on social media and we you know we think that's going to solve everything because so and so who won love island or something is is selling it so nothing against love island at all but you know that's often the way it is isn't it so yeah. and i think with supplements and things there's there's a lot of of controversial claims on social media and tiktok and things like one I see quite a lot of is like detox cleanses or like or like detox your body either with a product or with you know there's I've seen a thing going around about like just hot water and lemon in the morning which is you know a great thing to have but it's not gonna it's not gonna detox your body you know your body has uh, its own way of, of filtering things out with your kidneys and your liver it's it's natural you don't need something to detox yourself but again it's something that perhaps if people perhaps if people aren't actually that clued up on they might see that and think oh well that must be correct it's not something I know about perhaps it's something I need um so I think I think gut there's you know gut the gut is just something that there is just we just do not know we do not know even nearly enough about to start diagnosing gut things across social media like there is there is just not enough evidence and it's such an incredibly um interesting area of study that is very ongoing but there's a lot of you know i think people see various people talking about how we need to cleanse our gut or or improve the the health of our gut and you know this is not the kind of thing you can be diagnosing over social media i i saw something actually incredibly detrimental about fasting and then having magnesium sulfate on an empty stomach to cleanse the gut and these things are just you know I know someone that tried that and it's just obviously it did not go well like things like this is just it's it can be dangerous as well it's it can be very unhealthy for people and people are you know especially like young girls and even young you know young boys like everyone looks at these people on social media or they look at these things that they think is going to is going to have an impact on them and then they try these maybe unhealthy things that are a bit dangerous. Uh, Anything there that you've kind of seen similar? Yeah, I think to be honest, I I've been a part of that as well. I, I mean before I even got into nutrition, I was going down the same route of kind of following certain individuals and and seeing things advertised and being like, "Oh, hey, I'll give that a go." And I remember before I started studying nutrition, I did one of those like detox teas the 28 day detox teas. oh my god and do you remember the honestly, booty was that, that that's it that was the one and I literally look back and I cringe inside because I think it's it's sad because I was so naive and I just didn't have that knowledge and 
that is the fundamental issue is that nutrition sorry is complicated like it's so difficult for us to simplify it down so if we've got someone who we who is influential and as I said who we look up to telling us that this is good because of this or I did this and it got me here that's a simple answer if if it worked for them then hopefully it's going to work for me and and that is the issue and unless we can first of all as we said put some regulations and barriers in place to make sure that there are specific experts talking about this online or just helping and educating people about nutrition in a simple but effective way then it's really difficult for nutritionists like ourselves to convey that information i think that's the challenge with the nutrition industry is because it's so scientific for us to try and i say talk about it or provide that information to the general public it can sometimes be quite challenging because the, the evidence is conflicting and it changes on a regular basis so yeah. it's a challenging job for us and I again like going back to that booty thing like we just we are so naive unless we kind of invest our time into that research and not everyone has that as a priority and I completely understand and appreciate that as well so it's it's kind of like our job to make sure that we do provide that best information but when we're kind of up against those influences those suedo nutritionists those people that aren't qualified who haven't had that education but have a greater following compared to us, then we're up against a lot. Like it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult. And I know that we try our best as nutritionists. Like I follow so many, but actually the accredited nutritionists and the registered dietitians I know, they've got the smallest following, but they're the ones that are given the best type of information. Whereas you've got, as you said, like the Love Island people or the reality TV stars or, you know, people like Michael Mosley who do these documentaries, but he's not even a nutritionist. He's, he did philosophy in education and then he turned into a doctor, but he hasn't got a nutrition degree yet. He's delivering documentaries on fasting, on dieting on a yearly basis. And mm. you have to question whether or not this information is a kind of correct, but b coming from like a meaningful source as well. Like who's giving you that information? Have they done their research? I'm sure they've got nutritionists in the background, but Again, it's really thinking about who you're getting that information from and where they originally got that from too. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, if you think about the number of times that we look at at a study and and we change our mind on something because we've seen something perhaps more compelling. And, you know, I find, I'm, I'm sure you're the same, but I feel like the more things I read, the more I'm like, I do not know anything. And it's just a constant, you're just constantly learning and trying to find out these things and, and hope that you're going to kind of give someone the best information on what you've what you've read and it's you know there's there's just so much to it i think i think the answer to this harriet is that we basically need to go on love island or something and then we'll get a following and then we can talk to people about nutrition so perhaps that's the answer there brilliant sign me up yeah but i think what what you mentioned there sorry that's that's known as a dunning-kruger effect whereby you'll start off with like zero experience on a scale. So if you were to look at a scale at the bottom, you'd Mm. have zero. And at the end, you'd have like 100% or or expert. Now you see these nutrition gurus or or unqualified nutritionists uh, on social media, and they have, you know, 100% confidence, but zero knowledge. 
and they're like, oh yes, I know it all. But actually, as we progress through either education, whether you do a degree and then you go into postgrad and then you become like a, uh, a nutrition expert, you know, you actually start to realize that there's more to it than just that face value, i.e. Mm. what you read in the newspaper or what you need to read in an article or magazine. And as you said, the more you read, the more complicated it gets and it's constantly yeah. changing as well. And I've had times where I've maybe said something a year ago regarding something to do with nutrition and a year or two years later that the results have completely changed. So now we're following a different type of guideline. And sometimes we can get, you know, that can cause conflicts. People, haters can come online and they can start commenting. But the thing is, we have to accept that nutrition is constantly changing. As we said, it's a science. We're constantly researching different types of concepts regarding nutrition. So we have to be able to allow ourselves to open up to the change. And I think one of the issues with those who don't necessarily have those qualifications is they'll learn they'll learn a module in nutrition, for example. So I'm, I'm thinking about when I did a PT qualification, they have one module in nutrition and it's basically just looking at the guidelines. Now that's mm-hmm. great, just providing like the, the you know, general nutrition, NHS and government guidelines. But actually when it comes to providing a personalized plan, you, you don't have the information to be providing those types of plans. And as we're, we're ever changing with the nutrition industry, it's important that we continue keeping up with it. And that's what nutritionists and dietitians do. We have to invest in our, our CPD each year to make mm. sure that we are constantly up to date with the current research, which unfortunately a lot of qualifications out there just to become like a, a nutrition, nutrition therapist, they don't, they don't have those regulations. Yeah, absolutely. It's constant. It's it's constant learning, isn't it? And it's 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 funny, isn't it? When you go and you read something and you're like, oh, my God, this literally changes everything I thought I knew about this one topic. And now I don't know who I am anymore because I've read this thing. And it's just, you know, it's that, that's what's great about it is it's, you know, and it makes keeps it so interesting, doesn't it? Obviously, you know, we've got we've got all these things coming across whether they're people promoting supplements that perhaps they don't understand or that we don't need. We've got, you know, quick fixes. There's a lot of quick fixes, shiny new object, you know, hot water and lemon, gut cleanses, detoxes, all these things. But how how is the best way then if someone sees something on TikTok, Instagram, whatever, and they're like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Where can they find the best information and where should they be looking for their information? Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. So I guess the first thing to do is if you're following any type of individual that's promoting any nutritional advice or information, um, to always kind of check their credentials. So in the UK, specifically, we have two types of, let's say, individuals who can provide you nutrition advice. So first of all, you've got the accredited nutritionists or affiliated nutritionists. Now, unfortunately, this isn't protected legally, but essentially, if an individual has done either an undergrad or a master's in a type of nutrition, they can um, they can apply to be an accredited nutritionist, which puts them on a register. Therefore, if someone wants to uh, or is looking for nutritional advice, you can go onto the affiliation of nutrition or the association of nutrition, sorry, and you can type in that name to actually check if they're accredited. And essentially, that just gives you kind of a security net to ensure that the individual has some kind of credentials and really kind of knows what they're talking about in the nicest way possible. And uh, nutritionists usually sit within like the public health sector so they might be working with within communities um, within yeah local like governments as well just mainly focusing on public health 
Whereas on the other hand, you've got registered dietitians, which are more clinical based. So you're more likely to find them in hospitals, working with people with particular medical conditions or illnesses. Again, they're registered and they're legally bound. So they are uh, as well, they have a register if you go onto the BDA site, so the British Dietitian or Dietetics Association, and then you can research people there. So Number one is check their credentials. So are they accredited or a accredited nutritionist or are they a registered dietitian? If they're not, are they holding any other qualification that could suggest that they have done some type of nutrition course? But I think on that note, it's really important to note that if you've just done maybe like a, a short course on nutrition and you're not required to kind of constantly do your CPD, so continuous professional development, it's really important that they as individuals are making sure they keep up to date with the most up to date research. So those are a couple of people that you can use to stay informed. I don't know if you wanted to add to that at all, Chloe. Yeah, no, I think you've covered covered everything there. And yeah, I think that's it's great to know that as well. And then obviously you've got your got your registers in terms of information obviously yeah. you know we can you know it's very easy nowadays with google and social media netflix documentaries for people to kind of get information they think is is the correct information because it's on netflix but where should we actually be getting our information so when we you know we like to look at studies we like to read things we like to read articles one of the i like to go on examine i think that's great because they put everything in such such easy to read terms and they give lots of mm. very good links things like PubMed is great because it's just a wealth of studies and every single study has 300 links to other studies that are relevant and it's just an absolute gold mine of information and you can very much go down the rabbit hole with studies you start reading about blueberries and suddenly you're reading 10 minutes later about uh, you know strawberries not massively <laughs> different related but you can go you can go on a bit of rabbit hole um, yeah, yeah, of course. And then anything else? So obviously, like, and then we've got podcasts and things like that. But any other websites or uh, registers, not registers, but study areas that you would recommend looking at? Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes when it comes to things like PubMed, Google Scholar, which are usually used for research, it can be yeah. quite overwhelming for the general public to read through because there's a lot of information to go through. So I think if uh, if you are someone who just wants to learn a little bit more about nutrition, kind of understand the fundamentals of it, then places like the British Nutrition Foundation provide some really good PDF resources, which are very kind yeah. of to the facts, very brief, but also provide the correct information. British Dietetic Association also does the same um, and also can provide you some information based on specific conditions, such as like type 2 diabetes. But on that note as well, a lot of these sites, so if you, you're diabetic, going on to Diabetes UK, they have tons of nutritional resources. Actually, in fact, they've probably had some of the best I've seen um, when I used to work within that sector. So I'd certainly say, like, look at the British Nutrition Foundation, the British Dietetic Association, examine, I definitely back up as well. They give mm. you a really great summary of pretty much all nutrients and anything nutrition related. If you're kind of it's looking good for supplements more, as well, isn't it? Uh, examine yeah. is great for that supplement area of things. Yeah, hundred percent. And then you've got Sigma Nutrition, which is just kind of like a more individual nutrition site. But again, they provide some really good summary summaries. Sorry, regarding nutrition. And then I have two particular books that I would recommend to anyone who just wants to know more about nutrition. So the first one I've actually got them next to me is Is Butter Up by Helen Great West title. and Rosie Saunt. Yeah, so essentially it says it on the front of the book, it's unpacking or unpicking fact from fiction in the world of nutrition. 
And essentially what they've done is they've written a book kind of talking about each individual food group and unpicking certain myths or misconceptions around that particular uh, food group. But it also at the very end gives you a really good um, understanding of like how you can now go into the world and, and picking out the right information. So it gives you some really good kind of practical ideas of how to find the best information in the real world because it's as we've kind of discussed today it's really difficult and the other one that I would recommend is Food Isn't Medicine by uh, Joshua Wallach so again he's really really good he was originally a doctor but because he realized that a lot of medical conditions required some kind of nutritional management he then went to do a master's in clinical nutrition And again, very similar to the other book, he's just depicting a lot of facts from fiction. And Mm. if you're someone who is just starting off with nutrition or really just wants to understand it a bit better, those books I would seriously highly recommend. And I believe both both have podcasts as well, which you should check out too. But those books are really good as a starting point. That's awesome. Yeah, a podcast is always good as well. Lots of podcasts, obviously PH Nutrition Podcast is an excellent one. But then we also have Sigma Nutrition is just is just so good, isn't it? It's it's Mm -hmm. there's there's podcasts on every topic. And I think that's probably one of my go to's. I think have you got any other podcasts that you listen to nutrition wise? Oh, too many. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but if we can attach Mm. them in the notes below, I would definitely attach them so people can uh, reference it later. Yeah, that's a good idea because I'm. Just, there are quite a lot, aren't there? And then, okay, so we've spoken about where we want to get, where we want to get our information from. Mm-hmm. Easy, easy ways to kind of stay away from the rubbish is looking for the red flags. So obviously, anything that perhaps promotes a quick fix or a miracle cure, want to stay away from anything that's like shiny object. Oh, this looks exciting. This looks fast and easy. There's no easy fix for anything. There's no, you know, there's no miracle cure for anything. There's no magical tablet, magical supplement. So the way people use language around food, you know, this this comes down to the way we have our own relationships with food, the language we use, but perhaps some language on social media, TikTok, you know, Netflix, there's there's that fear. There's that, and also it's it's the clickbait fear as well, isn't it? It's like, mm. oh, stay away from this bad food, or you know, we kind of spoke about things like gut cleanses and detoxes and stuff and using the words like toxins and and poison using dramatic kind of clickbait words anything else that you would you would say just you know watch out for yeah I would definitely say when people uh, for example like use anecdotes as their sole source of evidence so again like kind of repeating a story that either you know they've experienced Mm. this and this is the positive outcomes or if they've heard it from a friend of a friend and usually you know this is probably the lowest um, standard of evidence based nutrition we could be getting these stories from other people so I guess yeah if someone's selling you a product based on what it's done for them i.e the positive it's impact it's had on them but doesn't provide you with any other scientific research to back it up then I would say either avoid it at all costs or just approach the individual and just say hey have you actually got any like evidence that or references that you can provide to me so I can read through it because we don't necessarily want to be shutting people down in that respect because you know it's probably helped them but again everyone is unique and it doesn't mean to say that it's going to be helping um, anyone else and I guess as you've kind of uh, mentioned as well like anyone that sells these detox supplements like I literally went on before this podcast to look at the booty and it is still being sold <laughs> online yeah exactly and I just think again if you see those kind of buzzwords like uh, detox or toxins as you said like just avoid it like 
there mm. aren't if there aren't necessarily any toxins in our body and if there is then we our body is regulated or it regulates itself to be able to get rid of anything that shouldn't be there so our, our body is good enough to do that we need to trust our body more and not rely on these outside products which are quite frankly a waste of money and the other thing to consider as well and it kind of backs up with the the book that i recommended is you know, try and avoid individuals or try and avoid products that focus on nutrition as a sole cause or cure of disease. So i.e. nutrition being medicine, because, you know, treating a disease is more than nutrition. We we definitely understand that. So someone claiming that, you know, I don't know, lemon water is the cure for, for cancer, <laughs> for example, you know, it's, it's just not good enough. It's not a cause. And they probably haven't done their research to actually back up that particular statement. So it's really important that we're getting the, the correct information and not listening to people who are saying cause and effect because when we make a cause and effect statement it can have quite a big impact on the way individuals take that type of information yeah absolutely i think that's a great great summary there so action points for our for our listeners for when you know we do want to get our info Mm -hmm. don't take something you see on social media at face value straight away be like oh she's promoting booty i'm gonna get on that booty my 28 day cleanse or whatever it is. I can't remember 28 days of drinking tea and it changes your life solves, you know, world peace and all that. Check out your studies as well. Like if someone, you know, if someone gives you a study that they've looked at and they're like, well, this is the evidence, go and read it, have a little look at it. You know, Mm. what do you think about the study? Obviously, you know, there's so much evidence and there's a lot of conflicting evidence in the nutrition world. And this is why we're always learning because there's evidence that says one thing and evidence that says another. And, you know, go and have a look at your own things and try, obviously, make up your own mind based on what you've read and be open to other information as well. In terms of studies themselves, you know, there's going to be different levels of studies and how reliable they're going to be. This is a this is a good area that I know you're well versed in, Harriet. What would you kind of say about actual studies themselves to look out for? Yeah, definitely. I think if you are like investigating studies, there's certain areas of that study that you can look at to kind of give you an idea of how reliable that data is. So I guess the first thing is to consider how many participants in the study. So, you know, if you've got a study where there's only been 10 participants and you think about the rest of the people in this entire world, you have to think about the generalizability of that particular that that data or the results that they're providing. And unfortunately, a lot of studies um, that are conducted have a low sample population purely because we struggle to get recruitment a lot of the time. So, A, it's really important to check how many people are taking part in that study, but also actually check if those participants are relevant to you. So if you're a female, but the stale has only, uh, sorry, the study has only looked at males then is that again going to be generalized to you can you make that you know does that cause a and b or actually do they need to investigate in females as well Um, Mm. another great place to look at in research papers is the limitation section so within most papers or publications they always have to include the limitations of the study Um, and that's usually kind of gives you a good reference as to whether or not it's a reliable source of data Um, And when we think about like the highest uh, or the 
best types of studies to kind of go off in terms of what causes a cause and effect data essentially we really want to be looking at um, randomized double blinded repeated measured slash controlled studies so having a comparison group to the intervention that we're looking at because that can usually give us information as to whether a causes b whereas if we're looking at more observational studies it's really difficult for us to actually find a cause and effect because there's other Mm. confounding variables such as like your environment your or, you know, your day-to-day lifestyle and activities. So there are a couple of things to consider um, when you are looking at research, but definitely looking at the limitation section can be like a quick and easy way of uh, depicting whether or not that study is going to be reliable or, or valid for you. Yeah, it's so true. And uh, in terms of the studies themselves and who who is actually running these studies and who funds them, I think is also so important. I think this is probably massive in terms of supplements. You know, if you see a study that's that's giving good evidence for a certain supplement promoting certain health benefits, and then you you see that the study is actually funded by the supplement company, run by the supplement company, people with a vested interest, it does obviously make a difference as well. You know, is there a conflict here? Is there a conflict of interest? Yeah, it's it's good to kind of look at those background things on a study as well. And again, that comes back to people promoting things. You know, why are they promoting it as well? on social media and things like that too so so much info here Mm. this is this is great and hopefully um i think people have gotten something out of this in terms of where to get that information from i think this has been been really really eye-opening harriet thank you so much you you know you've got so much so much information to give on this and it's just fantastic (laughs) listening to you talk about this so yeah thank you so much and if people want to find out kind of more information about about you as well where can we find your bits and pieces your social media yeah so you can find me simply on instagram at harriet rankin so that is my name um to be fair it's my main platform if you want to work with me in terms of like nutrition then you can head over to ph nutrition and you can um, find me over there and you can work with me that way but yeah my main two sources are purely my instagram my linkedin which again is my name and ph nutrition which is a lovely and amazing company to be working for absolutely yes guys if you want more obviously evidence-based info then come over to the ph nutrition website our blog is fantastic everything is obviously backed up by lots of studies we're all all reading going down the rabbit hole etc but thank you so much today for this and yeah have a great day guys thank you see ya Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.